Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick. Well, Dr. Eddie O'Connor founded, scaled and sold electricity and mainstream renewable energy for almost €3 billion Euros combined. And at 74 years old, he's now working on his most ambitious venture yet, Supernode. Eddie, there's no doubting that you've had an electrifying career. In 1997, you founded Airtricity. But what was the secret to growing that business globally? Good morning, Carl. You have to be convinced... Carl, about whatever you're doing, you have to have a high sense of purpose. All business really works much better when you're when you when you're purposeful about what you're doing. And from 1989, when I found out that we were poisoning the the atmosphere and the planet for humans and making it too hot, and and you can see the evidence all around you now. But in 1989, it wasn't as clear as that. And I decided when I was in Bordeaux, being a leading polluter at the time, that when I got a chance to do something about it, that I would set up a wind energy business and, and take it from there. And in 2008, you sold electricity. It was a reluctant sale at the time, I believe, for you. So after selling it, you founded Mainstream Renewable Power. I decided that the job was only half done before I set up mainstream. I mean, I took about a two weeks off and then I set up mainstream. I reckoned we were going to take renewable energy to the rest of the world. We hadn't taken it outside of, um, you know, the developed world up to then. And we set up mainstream and we went to South Africa, we went to Chile. We've, we've, we're, we're building out 1,300 megawatts in Chile right now. And uh, so, you know, the, the mainstream thing, it was much tougher than uh, electricity. We faced uh, the, the dreadful financial crisis of of 2008, 2009, and in Europe it lasts until 2014. Uh, so, um, you know, we, we uh, and you're constantly in need of more money when you're running a business like mainstream uh, or electricity. Uh, you, you, you just need, because you're building stuff and it's a capital-intensive plant, it costs about a million a megawatt to build, so you're all the time looking for money. And the finding of appropriate partners is one of the key uh, issues uh, for this business. Now, there's been extensive media coverage about the energy crisis this winter due to capacity issues. This is an issue that is synonymous with third world countries. You're holding Airgrid and the ESB accountable for this, and you believe that both organisations should be privatised. Yeah, well, I'm I'm struggling to see why the state would want to own uh, particular assets, like, for instance, the distribution, the wires there the wires that carry the electricity into your house or the transmission wires that carry the electricity from the big power stations like Money Point uh, to the population in Dublin. I'm struggling to see why they need to be owned by the state. Um, if the state wants to invest in something, basically it either has to print money through lending uh, or borrowing or it has to raise taxes, whereas the private sector is set up just for this. Uh, you want money, you tell your story, you get investors, you do the job. And it seems to me to be much more straightforward. The only reason I think that uh, you might want uh, the stage to want something is that they make planning for the kind of event uh, that actually is now transpiring, the one that where we're going to be short of power apparently this winter. I mean, that, uh, you can't have economic growth. And we've been growing the fastest of any country in the world uh, since 2014. And I, and I think we're growing faster than China in that period. Um, and you can't grow without electricity demand. And so, you know, this should have been foreseen coming. And why, are we, why was there no planning done for this? Eddie, there's also been a lot of criticism in recent weeks and months of the fast-growing data centre infrastructure here in Ireland. But what are your thoughts on these? 
Oh, I think data centres are absolutely necessary. They are the cloud. Our only protection uh, from uh, in, in IT, and, and every company and business in the world now runs on information technology. We all have these computers, we have these laptops, um, and the, the, the thugs and the pirates and the criminals are out there uh, trying to infiltrate us all the time. Uh, for instance, uh, mainstream was attacked last year, and they, they had ransomware uh, that they put into your computer, and they said, we'll give you the solution, providing you pay us X million. Now, every day, mainstream backs up its uh, requirements onto the cloud, and the cloud is a data center, and they make copies of, of your data, and so it's not just here in Ireland, it could be in it could be in China, it could be in America, it could be in Sweden, it could be anywhere in the world. And so it's the only defense that we have against uh, being attacked uh, by these hackers. But much more importantly than that, we are one of the most modern economies in the world. And I would hate it to get out and be said about Ireland that we were not welcoming data centers here. If the Data centres can be built anywhere, right? But if you don't build them in Ireland, they are less environmentally friendly because they have to have air conditioning put in. In Ireland, you don't need air conditioning. So therefore, it's a very logical place to put your data centres. And of course, they demand electricity, but then it's not something we should be planning for. And I don't want to get your thoughts on the potential for offshore wind here in Ireland, especially in the southeast of the country. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I I do like reminding people that we built the outlaw banks uh, off off your coastline um, in 2003, uh, and there's been nothing built offshore since then. So I'm kind of proud about that. That's the way we need to go now. There's resistance to uh, building wind farms on land, and it's growing all the time. And besides, the wind speed on land is much lower than the wind speed that you get offshore. And also the technology has been improving dramatically. Uh, we put in 3.6 megawatt turbines there off the coast of, of, of Arklo, um, but now it's 15 megawatt turbines. And the price has come down probably to one-third of what it used to be. So it's now very efficient. It's the right thing to do. You get very high wind speeds. You make a massive contribution to the economy of the country because you can put in big wind farms. If you had a wind farm on land, you're probably talking about 20 megawatts on average size. You you put a wind farm offshore and its, it's average size is 1,000 megawatts. So you get scale effects. Uh, you make a real contribution electrically. And Eddie, in your opinion, do you think that Rossler port in Rossler Harbour is an ideal base in developing those offshore wind farms? I know that a consortium has, has bought land right beside it and, and it's, it's a little bit far from Dublin and they don't have the grid to be able to take the power up to Dublin where two million people live. But that's, that should be a temporary problem. Rosslare is, is very well positioned. It's a decent sized port. Probably on that whole eastern coast of Ireland, it's it's probably the best, apart from Dublin and Belfast, but Dublin doesn't. Dublin is too crowded already. So, yeah, no, there's a lot to be said for developing Rosslare. And what needs to be done to fast-track the development of offshore wind in Ireland? Well, the, the, the government is actually, uh, and this is where I have to pay tribute to, to what the government is doing at the moment, Carla. You know, they, they have said they want to develop 30,000 megawatts of floating offshore. Now, floating offshore hasn't really arrived yet. It's, it's at the development stage of the technology. There will be much bigger turbines. 
there are about 30 designs out there getting tested at the moment. Uh, so uh, I, I think our government has said we're going to do this. But <laughs> but this is a big, big project. We're changing the way uh, that we're going to make electricity uh, that our fathers, our grandfathers, our, our forefathers going back 200 years made electricity. Um, and we're talking about doing it nearly all offshore in Europe and in the south using solar. Um, and we don't have a grid. We have no grid uh, offshore to be able to uh, take this power and sell it to the French, to the Germans, to the whole continent of Europe. Uh, so so there are big issues associated with doing this. But I think we're on our way here. I mean, I like what I see in Ireland. I think Ireland is a very, very progressive country right now. Maybe one of the most progressive in the world. It's certainly one of the most progressive in the world. And, and I have full confidence that if the government continue with the, with the programme that it's announced, uh, that we'll see uh, a bigger contribution from sales of electricity than we get from farming and fishing and food ingredients at the moment. It's out there to be done. We could be the Saudi Arabia uh, of, of um, energy in the Europe going forward. Now, I do want to speak to you about your latest venture, Supernode. It's dubbed yeah. as your most ambitious venture yet, so Supernode is planning to develop a giant grid for the transmission of renewable energy across Europe. Do you expect to encounter many obstacles in achieving this audacious goal, and are there many others in the race to do likewise? This is a, a very big question. In 2001, I came from a background in the ESB. I worked for 17 years in the ESB and before I went into Board Mona. And I realised that people expect electricity to be there when you press the switch, right? But you can't do that with wind energy uh, or solar. Uh, solar doesn't make any electricity at night and the wind doesn't blow all the time. So I developed this concept of the supergrid in 2001 to cope with the variability of wind and solar wasn't even heard of at that time but uh, but now it is and we need to deal with that so when a big storm arrives off the coast of Ireland and, and passes tracks over Ireland tracks over England, Belgium Holland, Denmark up to Finland, if you can imagine a big profound grid there uh, that was able to take that power the minute it built up in Ireland this was now Europe's power and all along that track, all along that grid, it continued to produce a similar amount of electricity. This looks very like firm power. And that's what motivated me in the beginning as a result of, of some research I read from the University of Kassel in Germany, where they pointed out the wind is always blowing somewhere. And if you linked up all the somewheres together, you'd have a firm source of power. But now... It's much more important because we're going to completely decarbonise and we need to build 900,000 megawatts of offshore wind and we need to build 900,000 megawatts of solar. And you can't do that without a grid. So uh, I tried to interest in, in 2009 in Europe, I tried to interest uh, the utilities um, and I set up a thing called the Friends and Supergrid. But they weren't really interested in it at the time. So um, about three years ago, I said, listen, we're going to do this ourselves. We're going to make Ireland the leader in this. We're going to develop the technology. And we're developing superconductivity, which is when you, when you cool certain materials down to minus 200 degrees, you conduct electricity without any losses. And so we're going to bring in, we're going to come in at about half the price of the current grids. And we're going to put this stuff in the sea. And you asked about competition. Well, there's very little competition because this is a radical new idea. That it's, it's been around for some time. It's very well known. But in terms of 
making a grid out of this stuff. Nobody else has attempted that. So we're very unique here in this in this regard, Carl. And we're going to float this company because I, I see a great appetite among the Irish people, among the Scottish people, among the Norwegian people with the, with the big wind resources off our coast. I see a great appetite uh, for investing uh, in stuff like this. And, and we've already... Uh, tested the market here and the market you know made out like if you invested one pound in, in electricity you got 73 pounds back if you invested one in in uh, mainstream you got 16 back um, if you invest one in uh, super node you're probably going to get 200 back something like that <laughs> uh, Eddie, this is an incredible project it actually sounds to me like a project that Elon Musk would be involved in Indeed, yeah, but he's got his own. Uh, he's he's trying to uh, take the human race to Mars, and so good luck with uh, good luck with Elon <laughs> on that regard. Uh, I, I <laughs> uh, you know, some people some people see this. He's he's already bringing us the Tesla, uh, which is an incredible product, and uh, and you know, uh, and that's the way the, the the future of the car is going to be. Um, and by the way, the demand for electricity is going to go up by about two hundred and fifty percent. Carl, by, by uh, when we completely decarbonise, because our only source of power at that stage will be electricity. Two points. Number one, what's the timeline for actually having this in place and operating? And secondly, is there any okay. possibility here that you have all of the European countries joining forces to upgrade their own individual grids and then integrate them all? We will have the technology developed to the prototype stage in a couple of years more. Hopefully by 2028, 29, we'll have a full product um, to offer. Uh, so that's, that's the timeline. And that'll be all right because we won't see much development of floating offshore before 2030. So we aim to be ready for that particular market. And, and your second part of your question was about all the grid companies in Europe. Well, you know, the grid companies in Europe are still going to be nationalist in orientation. They're going to be like AirGrid. They're going to be focused on Ireland. What we're doing is we're integrating all of those into one enormous big grid. Uh, I mean, we'll still use all of the current grids. I mean, nobody should have any fear about that. In fact, we'll be using them to an extent of 250% of what they use currently. So so they're going to have to face up to that. How do you do that without having too much losses uh, and without having to build too much more? How can you be more effective and efficient? But nobody has con- conceived of this supergrid in the way that we have and the way that we're going to do it. Um, and it will, be, it will be the liberation of Europe from, from having to pay out, you know, I think it's half a trillion a year that we pay. Uh, for for our, our to import energy from Saudi Arabia and the Emirates and wherever we get the coal and all that stuff. Well, Eddie, I wish you every success with that Supernode project and your book, A Dangerous Visionary. How do you inspire the next generation of environmentally conscious business leaders? Well, I mean, what I did in the book was just tell the story. And, and so that there'd be a bit of a record left. I, I mean, I would, I would like to tell people how to get on. I think that your actions uh, speak louder than words always. So when you do something important like Supernode or or, or Mainstream or Electricity, um, the young people want a role model. They want somebody that they can look up to. They want somebody who's done it, who's not just talked about it or taught it, but somebody who said, right, we're, 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 we're fed up with talking, uh, now we're going to do it. And I think it's really important in Ireland to do things. And I'm immensely encouraged 
by what I see happening around us here in Ireland with the entrepreneurship. I'm sure you've noticed it, Carl. From Galway to Wexford and, 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 you know, from Cork up to Donegal, we've got entrepreneurs everywhere in Ireland now, which wasn't the case when I was young. So so they are getting inspired anyway. They're largely getting inspired, I think, by the American experience here with all the big multinationals, the Intels and the Microsofts. But they're also realising, and something I've realised, that the Irish manager is as good as you'll get in the world. The Irish manager is very well educated, very determined, we live in small communities, so we're able to manage staff better than almost any other place that I've seen. And, and, and we're now seeing the fruits of that because we have just a very dynamic and brilliant economy here. So they're getting inspired anyway. And Eddie, finally, one of the fastest growing sectors over the next 10 years, of course, will be the renewable energy sector itself. So what advice have you got for anybody that is going out there today to set up a business that's focused on climate change? Please do it. Is, is the first thing we need us. The world needs us. We're, uh, we're putting up the equivalent of four Hiroshima atomic bombs into the atmosphere, the energy equivalent, every second. We're destroying the climate for our species. And I've got five grandchildren. Uh, and I want to see a world in which they can live. Uh, and, and I would encourage anybody, if you've got an idea, well, go and follow us, research us, do the work, learn about us, and then do it. Uh, it's, it's, you know, don't be waiting for somebody else to do it. Uh, you, it's not that you're going to make a huge amount of money out of it. You might if you're lucky, uh, but you'd be doing the right thing. And I've found in business that that's a great motto to have. People really respond to that. The staff love that idea. They're coming to work with a company that does the right thing. And that's, that's the key to a lot of business management. Well, if you've just tuned in, that was Renewable Energy Tycoon, Dr. Eddie O'Connor, and I'd like to thank Eddie for sharing such great insights with us this morning into the renewable energy sector. Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick.